Welcome to the Deepwater Podcast. I'm Dave Mercer. I'm James Judd. And our goal on this podcast is to learn to make disciples the way Jesus made disciples. Yes, sir. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode. Glad you guys are with us today. Today, I want to just ask you a question. Have you ever been in one of those situations, especially in regard to uh, discipleship or disciple making? Have you ever been in a situation where you feel like, am I the only one that cares about this? And sometimes it happens in other other parts of our life as well. In fact, when I was thinking about this topic, a story of my wife's came to mind. She was saying, uh, this was back when we were overseas, there was a lady who had a baby, and over there they're really peculiar and particular, maybe is a better word, about what they do with babies and don't do. And so at the 100-day-old party, they they have this party, and at the party, a bunch of my wife's friends are there, and this mother is like freaking out about everything. Now she, you know, baby can't be near the windows, the windows can't be open, the baby might catch a catch a breeze and, and, and be sick. And they can't get close to the TV. If you turn the TV on, the radiation from the TV might get be getting the getting the baby. So just all these things that were like super specific and weird and strange. And at the same time, or the ironic part, as we would say, is that while she's freaking about all of these out about all of these things, every single male person in the room is smoking. Wasn't at all concerned about secondhand smoke, but don't get the baby near the uh, the radiation from the TV. You ever felt that way? Has there ever been something going on in your church or not going on in your church, and you were like, "Am I the only one that gets this? Am I the only one that thinks this is a problem?" You know, when we were overseas, there was a lot of those things. Like sometimes, let's take just spirituality or, or faith in God, and, and we're thinking like. Don't you guys care about this? Are we the only ones that care about that? But that's a little to be expected. I mean, that's why we went. But other times, there was cultural things. We just think, are, are we the only ones that think this is crazy? And sometimes it was probably really was crazy, and sometimes it was probably us as a uh, as a cultural misunderstanding. And they were like, no, this is this is just fine. You're the only one crazy. But sometimes in our church, and specifically with things. Well, you're wanting to push the church, and you're wanting the church to grow, and you're wanting them to, to go out and do something. And since this is the Deep Water Podcast, learning to make disciples the way Jesus made disciples, let's use discipleship. So you've you've got on fire, you started understanding disciple making, and you're really wanting to like, you want everybody in the church to do it, and you've you've realized the power and the potential if every if every even if. 20% of the people in your church were really actively, intentionally making disciples. Like, what kind of a difference could that be? Or 50. And and yet, no matter what you say about it, you feel like it just falls on deaf ears. And like, no one else is concerned about it. Or no one else is concerned that we are the same size we were 20 years ago. Or, you know, you fill in the blank. What I want to do today is just give you some encouragement. Here's f- at least four things that you can do when you feel like, I'm the only one. Because sometimes we get frustrated and we do things that are not helpful for the body of Christ. Or we switch churches. Well, man, if this church isn't going to do it, I'm going to go somewhere that does. And there's occasionally that's the right answer. But I would challenge this to say most of the time that's probably not the right answer. So here's at least four things that you can do or that you should do when you find yourself in that uh, situation. 
The first thing is you should be incredibly patient. Man, that's hard. Incredibly patient. You have to understand, like, you didn't get it the first day. They're not necessarily going to get it the first day. And in fact, in terms of disciple making, you know, I was saved from like age five. Struggled with some things growing up about whether I was saved or not. But looking back, man, I was saved at age five. I was trying to follow Jesus. Um, I was active in my faith when I was towards the end of high school. My pastor was really great and would give me occasional preaching opportunities. And and then I went overseas and I led some ministries and I did different stuff. And I was 33 years old before I figured out what disciple making was. And of course, when I figured out, it's like, man, that, yeah, this is missing. Let's go do it. But it's harder to get everyone else involved. And so as I have to remember, like, well, God was pretty patient with me for 33 years. And there was probably some people along the way that were gracious and were patient to me. and thought, you know, he doesn't get it yet, but he's working hard. We'll give him a little nibble. Anyway, be patient. And to do that, I'd just like to remind you of Galatians 5, 22 through 23. You can sing the song with me. You know, Oh, the fruit of the Spirit's not a coconut. The fruit of the Spirit's not a coconut. If you want to be a coconut, you might as well hear it. You can't be a fruit of the Spirit because the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, just to throw them all in there. But patience, like we need the Holy Spirit in our life, and we need to be patient with people. And that includes people we're discipling. They may not get it the first time. They may not get it the first 10 times you're trying to communicate something to them. Sometimes that might be us, us making the mistake. Other times it might be them. It just it takes a while to get through their head or for something to really click. I can think of a ton of different things that it took a long time to click. Like uh, when I was a young man, I got my pilot's license. And it was I flew a little bit and then it got too expensive. And I... Uh, Stopped. And a couple years later, there was just, I was sitting around one day and all of a sudden, like some things clicked. I was like, oh, yeah, why, why was I having such a hard time with it? Or like, it just took a while for my brain, working on it in the background, to click. We got to be patient. Sometimes that means patient with yourself as well. But be patient with those around you. Show them grace. Second thing is love one another. John 13, 34, and 35 says this, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Pretty simple command, but man, is it a hard one. When we're so anxious to get going, or we're so anxious for our church to change, or we're so anxious for our ministry to change, or or any of these things, we have to remember that we still have to be loving one another. If we are pushing forward even in a wrong, even in a right direction but we're not doing so in love i'm going to challenge to say are you are you really following jesus and if you're not following jesus how are we going to make disciples that does not mean there are not times to push ahead i'm i won't say that but when you do it it still needs to be done in love ouch it hurts a little bit another thing you need to do is serve one another and we'll look at galatians 5:13 It says, you, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. 
So if you find yourself frustrated in a church, man, they just don't get it. No one's out. They're all, they're all lukewarm. You know, you just get all riled up. Go back and start serving people. Well, how could I serve? What's one way that I could serve in love, that I could show love to one another and service to one another? And I think we'll often find, not always, but if we extend this grace and we serve them and we love them, our influence with them goes up. And as our influence goes up and as they respect us more, when we when we say, hey, have you ever considered discipling or, or could I teach you how to disciple somebody else? All of these things, we make progress because now, because we've loved them, because we've served them, we have more respect from them. And the fourth thing is just slowly start discipling those around you, be it in your Sunday school class, start volunteering somewhere, but start discipling those around you. Often what we want to do, myself included, I get it. It's like, man, I want to preach on it. I want to teach on it. I want to like get it there. I want to have a big class and get everyone going. My experience is you get very little fruit out of that. Your best fruit comes from starting to disciple somebody. And I, I'm going to break... I'm going to break all churches in the whole world, at least in America, into two categories. If a church is is struggling and you're frustrated with it, usually it comes down to either they are being lackadaisical, you know, they're just like no one's really controlling anything, or they're being like super controlled and super tied and and it's really, uh, it's almost run by a fear, a fear of of you teaching the wrong thing, of the wrong thing happening, those kind of things. So you you got to do that a little different in both situations. If you're in a church that's really being lackadaisical, I hate to say this, but it's really an opportunity because if you're being proactive and you're combining that with love and service and patience, the rest of the fruits of the Spirit, but you're being proactive, pretty quick you can have a high amount of influence on that, that church because you're the one that's being proactive and as much as I like to teach people about it and wish they could get it, my my experience is the best way for someone to get it is to be discipled. Even if, and I, I took this one from Dan McNaughton and I thought it was genius, even if they're a pastor, they're super mature in the faith, but they, they really aren't discipling and realize suddenly, like, hey, I'm not making disciples, begin by having them, discipling them. Even if you're saying, hey, listen, I know you know this, but let's meet together. Let me disciple you so that you can feel how it feels, so you can experience it. And then when you're ready to start, now you have some background in that. And I'm going to say, just to throw a good agriculture analogy out there for you, disciple making it's not just a smooth process. It's not a one-size-fits-all. That's why you can't just give some classes and have people discipled. It takes a different thing, and it's kind of like if you're if you're training or breaking a horse, we say. A guy that, that's breaking a horse, you know, he breaks one horse, it's pretty good. That doesn't mean he can break the second one pretty good because it's now it's a new horse, new experiences. He needs to get several horses under his belt before he has enough experience to really start breaking them well. And I think the same is true of disciple-making. Sometimes we it takes us a few times to figure out how to do it right, and, and we kind of mess up, and it's okay to come back to those people and say, hey, I messed up, let's try this again, or hey, I don't think I'm steering in the right direction. And so if you begin discipling and giving those people that experience with the idea and with the push that, hey, you're going to start discipling somebody too, 
they have that experience and they're start they're not starting like they're on their first horse they can start up maybe like on their 10th horse cuz you've started them that way you've prepared them so if if the church is lackadaisical, just start investing in people pick you three or four up to five something like that and start discipling them in order for them to disciple others and over time, as that group of people grows, or as people start seeing, hey, man, wow, how is how is Bobby growing so fast? So, well, you know, he said, well, I've been meeting with fill in your name. And and it's been really helping me. And then start people start coming and saying, hey, could, could you help me? Yes, I would love to. And maybe you should analyze them a little bit. But that starts opening up doors. I find that every time I've started focusing on disciple making, even if I got a little busy, Things happen and life kind of throws kinks at you. But when you restart focusing on disciple making at the first, you're like, who do I disciple? And then pretty quick, once you disciple in one or two, I find that you get more and more opportunities to the point where you have to start saying, I, I don't have room. I can't, I don't have the time to do it. My experience. So if you're in the second church and the church that's super tight, super controlled, I think again, love and service. And I think you, you may have to have some conversations with people. And if, if you say, hey, listen, I'd like to start doing this, or if it's one of those where like they won't turn you loose with a class, they won't let you teach a Sunday school, they won't let you lead a small group, I think you got to go to them and say, hey, listen, th- these are things I, w- I would really like to be investing more in the kingdom of God. I would like to be working more. You know, What do you see in my life that I need to grow in so that I could do that in this church? You know, And then listen up. And if it's, they may have some hard things to say, and you may have to pull up your boots and get to work. And they may have some very uh, very correct things to say as well. That, wow, oh yeah, I am actually slacking in this, and I, I do need to get my things in order. And if that's the case, then you do it, and, and you can work up into that. And, and by going to them or going to those that are more tightly controlling and saying, hey, listen, I want to, what do you need? It allows them to speak into your life. Every now and then, on the very rarest occasions, I think, you'll find a time where you go to them or in this church, they're just never going to turn you loose. They're going to control everything, and it's never, ever, 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 ever going to do it until this man dies or something like that. Those situations, I hate to say it, you might have to think about, pray about, you know, does the Lord need me to move to another church? This is not at your first obstacle. This is maybe at your 27th. Your 77 times 7, something like that, maybe minus 2 or 3. I I just say that to use that very, very cautiously. You know, first go back and make sure you're being obedient, that you're loving one another, you're serving one another, that your life is filled with the Holy Spirit, that it's full of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And I think you can get opportunities. And if they're really, really shutting you down or you just figure out this isn't ever going to happen there, Maybe you need to do it to switch churches. But I think all too often we switch churches thinking that this is what's going to really help us. But what it actually does is it sets us back in time. Today I was studying on Luke chapter 8. And in verse 15, it's talking about the parable of the seeds. He's talking about the good soil. Verse 15, he says, But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. And that's what I would challenge you if you're in one of those situations and you're really frustrated. Let's go back and look at that. Okay, one, is my heart noble and good? 
first thing is it has to be in Jesus if that's going to be true at all. But am I working on leading a pure life? Am I working on leading a life that's filled with the Holy Spirit, that's filled with Jesus, that the Word is permeating my body so that it comes out of me? I'm going to define that as a pure and noble heart. Am I hearing the Word? Am I retaining it? By retaining, are we are we obeying it? Are we memorizing it? Is it a regular part of our life? But it's really the last thing. And by persevering, produce a crop. And I think a lot of times, maybe in those situations, we're giving up right before we would have we would have begun making traction. So I encourage you to stay in there, keep persevering, and that includes in making disciple making disciples. Um, uh, there's a man from Oklahoma City that has done a lot of disciple-making that I've got to visit with a few times. And he shared that his first two guys he discipled, uh, as far as he knows today, they're not even walking with the Lord. That could be really discouraging, but he kept persevering, and now he has a tremendous influence, and he has this little, his version, the way he disciples, he uses a book, and it's kind of this thing he goes through. I think it's good. It's called One-on-One with God, if you want to look it up. But he's had a chance for his disciple-making ministry through, not not through him going to places, but through him discipling people who later discipled people. He's been all over the world. It's went just all kinds of crazy places because he persevered. So that's my encouragement to you. Number one, be patient. Number two, love one another. Number three, serve one another. Number four, start discipling those around you. And very last, Keep on persevering so that you can produce a crop. That's it. That's all I got for you. Hope you guys are doing good. Appreciate it when I get some feedback from you. Shoot us an email message or something or call me. Most of y'all know me anyway. Call me and tell me if there's something we can do to help somebody that you want on the podcast. We would love to do that. Love to help you. And until next time, go and make disciples and persevere and produce a crop. 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. Now that makes a difference. Love you guys. Love you guys.